This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Anastasia. And it's Wednesday, the 20th of April. Food prices are going up, up and away. Food inflation in the March quarter averaged 3.7%, all right? But that's up from just 1.2% at the end of last year. So, my friend, it's bad news for us consumers, but good news for, you know, Woolies and Coles. That's right, B-Man. Now, sellers on Etsy have gone on strike for the week. That's right. They are protesting the fact that transaction fees are increasing by 1.5%. They reckon Etsy is Amazonifying its platform and they don't like it. Ooh, three thrifty stories today, Stage. Let's do it. For our first, Twitter has taken a poison pill to stop Elon Musk from taking over the company after he offered shareholders more than $40 billion for the company. Ah, uh, we knew this was coming, B-Man. What is the story? All right, so last week we talked about Elon Musk buying a big stake in Twitter. He was offered a board seat. He then rejected that board seat. Which meant he could up his stake in the company if he really wanted to and potentially take it over. Which is what he announced he'd do over the weekend. In pretty massive news, Elon Musk offered to buy Twitter for a whopping US $43 billion. That would be $6 billion US dollars more than the company's market cap at the time. But uh, lift the hood a little bit, Stage, and Twitter's board members weren't too keen on this idea, so they enacted a shareholder rights plan called the Poison Pill. Oh, so what's the key learning? A Poison Pill is a merger and acquisition defense strategy that's used by a company to prevent a hostile takeover. And what's a hostile takeover again, B-Man? Well, a hostile takeover is when an entity bypasses a company's board and takes their takeover offer straight to shareholders. But the poison pill tactic can stop it, or at least deter the buyer from making any moves. Put simply, the poison pill strategy allows shareholders to buy existing shares at a discount. And this baby dilutes the ownership interest of a new party. Which makes buying that company less attractive. It's a bit of a bitter pill to swallow, hence the name, but it's certainly effective. Your move, Musky. For our second story, AMP could be flogging its real estate operations to property giant Dexas in a monster $25 billion deal. Big news in the finance world, B-Man. What's the story? All right, Stage. So AMP is an Australian financial services company that you might remember for the beating it copped in the Banking Royal Commission a few years ago. <laughs> you know, the crew who was slammed for charging fees to dead customers. Ooh, since then, AMP has been slowly selling off several business divisions. It sold its global and fixed income business to Macquarie. It also sold its infrastructure debt business to Ares. But it had other plans for its private markets business, which managed around $23 billion worth of real estate. So it was planning on demerging that business into a new ASX-listed company later this year. But now, the property investor named Dexas, they're reportedly in late-stage talks to acquire all of that business and then some. Bye-bye demerger. Hello, potential juicy sale. So what is the key learning here? While demergers can often create value for shareholders in the long run, they can actually cost shareholders in the short term. A demerger is when a company breaks off a part of its business and puts that into a new legal entity. In other words, when one becomes two. Now often, demergers lead to positive returns for shareholders in that long-term long run. I.e. the value of those shareholdings grow over time. But they do come at a cost. When Woolies split from Endeavour Group, it incurred separation costs of $50 million. And Endeavour had to 
fork out an extra 47 mil to become its own company. Now, for AMP, demerging its real estate biz would have cost shareholders a huge $200 million. But because Dexas is stepping in to buy it instead, shareholders can save that 200 mil. And AMP can reinvest it into its core wealth business. For our third and final story, ANZ, CVA, and Westpac's blockchain startup has copped nearly $13 million in new funding to speed up processing times for none other than bank guarantees. I love the camaraderie here, B-Man. Tell me more. <laughs> All right. So last year, three of Australia's big four banks that we just mentioned, plus the shopping centre company Centre and the tech company IBM, they all got together. And basically, they formed a joint venture to create a blockchain tech startup called Ligon. And now that company's just banked $12.7 million in funding. So the new capital will be used to fuel a hiring spree, fund research and development work and push into new industries. And Sage, supposedly, the company's received more capital than it actually needed. And that's because of the super high demand for its product, which is a platform that basically helps simplify the whole bank guarantee process. So what's the key learning? Just like we have guarantors for loan repayments, businesses can be backed up too by the banks. A bank guarantee is an unconditional undertaking by a bank to pay a customer's debts if they can't. But there's one teeny tiny, okay, gigantic and enormous problem with all of that stage. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> bank guarantees have historically been very much paper-based. Totally 100% genuine bona fide <laughs> manual. According to Ligon, bank guarantees use up around four tons of paper each year. That's about the same as two adult hippos. <laughs> and they require 80,000 courier or postal deliveries every year. So taking bank guarantees digital is a massive deal in the business world. And it looks like investors know it. Stage, lovely to have you on the pod today. And even more exciting to think that it's your partner Stell's big birthday today. Hello, Stell. <laughs> Wrap it up, Stage. Thanks for listening and we will see you tomorrow.